Welcome back to the Casey Adams Show. Today I am joined by somebody very, very special. My beautiful fiance, Jacqueline Burnett, and the incredible author of her new book, Happiness Habitat. Jacqueline, thanks so much for coming on the show. This is very exciting being here. This is the first time we've done a podcast since what, 2018, 2019? Yeah. So no, long ago. And I'm so we have a lot to catch up on. We do. I mean, for everyone listening or watching, we just got engaged about a month ago. You know, show the ring, you know. <laughs> um, and it's been incredible because I not only love you so much, but our journey and our relationship professionally from working together and our origin story in our relationship is such a beautiful thing. And it's so unique that you get to sit down in this context and have a conversation about it publicly. I feel like we haven't really ever done not only an interview, but you know, like went in depth on our relationship and I'm just excited for this interview, excited for this conversation. And most importantly, excited <laughs> for the new book that you're putting out, Happiness Habitat. And for those that are just tuning in, getting into this episode, you have a new book that's coming out October 9th, Happiness Habitat. Before we dive into all the good stuff that I'm excited to talk about, what is this book and why did you decide to write a book? Yeah, well, book, Happiness Habitat, Optimize Your Opportunity Zone, for me, it's been such a powerful state of happiness. When I'm in happiness, that state, it's almost like a superpower. And in the book, I talk about all the ways you can optimize each area of your life so you can really create your own, what I like to call your personal happiness habitat. So I have doctors, CEOs, experts in their field contributing their best practices so you can actually apply those tools. So... We have a chapter on communication, best practices for that. We have- yeah. That's um, actually, that's, uh, I'm in that book, that communication chapter. That's right. You're <laughs> a phenomenal communicator. We have a chapter on mindset, food, and just all the things that go from inside to outside. I love it. And as your partner, like seeing the amount of effort you've put into this book, I mean, you started writing this, and for context for everyone, we, we've been dating- since May 2020, we got engaged about a month ago. And throughout our, our entire relationship, I've seen the effort put into this book. I remember during COVID, um, when I was living in Arizona still, we were FaceTiming, you were working on this book. And to see it manifest into the physical form, I remember when we were in Michigan a couple months ago and we got the first proof of it. <laughs> I was not only so excited for you, but it's just so incredible to see your partner and you in this context create something that you've put so much effort into. And Thank I'm just you. beyond excited for it. You know, and yeah, well, it's, it's just really cool to see. My goal with this book is I genuinely want to empower others to empower others to be happy. I think that when you are in the state of happiness, all of these obstacles that you have in your life become mere illusions, which is so powerful to say and experience. And so this book is accumulation of the past 10 years of my life's work personally and in business. You know, I've been the COO of a company yeah. such as Media Kits. Yeah, you're, um, for anyone that doesn't know, Jacqueline was the COO of Media Kits, the tech company that I founded with my one of my best friends, Kieran. And I mean, that's a whole conversation we can get into of like working with your partner. Right, right. Um, which we should. But no, like your, your background, and even before we go there, like your background in the working professional field, like I think it's important for us to give context to how we met, right? Yeah. I, I feel like so many people would want to know that. And I think and it's it such an important thing. Yeah. And it has to do with both of our careers. So, you know, we, I'll give my POV, then I hand it off to you. Like we've been in the same circles yep. 
for years now. You were working under Dan Fleischman, which I'll let you talk more about, and your cousin, David Meltzer. And I remember one of the first time we met, like we just we started organically becoming friends. And for, for people that aren't aware, like we were best friends for almost a year before we started dating. Oh, yeah. And that's when I was living in Arizona. I was coming out to L.A. pretty much every month to do podcast interviews. And we just organically started hanging out. And then one time I was about to book a hotel and you said, Oh, just like come crash on my couch. Just, let me let me save you some money. And yeah. I think what's important to note here is we were genuine best friends. Like there was no other motive. It was how can I best support this epic human and vice versa. That that was it. And so I wanted to see you succeed just as much as you wanted to see me succeed. Yeah, and it speaks to just your aura of happiness. And a, a question I want to ask is, like, what does happiness even mean to you? Right. Like, I remember when we first started to really know each other, I would always leave. Let's say I, you know, we grabbed dinner or whatever it may be. I left you and I'm like, how is Jacqueline so happy? Like this aura <laughs> that you carry in your life. I think it's so prevalent and everyone that's friends with you and family knows this about you of how you carry this just sense of pure joy and happiness. Thank you. Where does that. this come from? Well, first I want to say happiness to me is being grateful for the present moment because that means you're in the present moment. And that is the only period of time that you can actually exist, the present. So I got, I guess I started understanding my, uh, my powerful energy of happiness, I guess you could put it that way. From a young age, I had parents who, uh, both my mom, Beverly and dad, Mark, you know, they nurtured this, this environment for me that allowed me to be my most creative self, learned lessons learned all about food and food, by the way, is extremely important to your mindset and your mentality, yep. your brain, your actual physical health of your brain is extremely important. So I nurtured all these things and that's kind of helped me grow into what I am today. From there, I've continued to only surround myself around like-minded individuals and you are who you attract, right? Yeah, like they always absolutely. say, you are the five people that you surround yourself around. And that's true. Yep. But, and if you want to continue to elevate, get in the rooms and the circles of the people that you want to become. So happiness for me, yes, it stemmed from a young age, but it's been continuing the, the building of that is because of me and the, the building blocks that I layer on, right? Like we, we, yeah. we are together. We live together. You see my every single day of how I optimize each area of my life. That's what yeah. the book is about optimize each area you of your optimize, life inside and out. Yeah, you optimize my life, you optimize your life and like seeing it firsthand from the way you eat and how clean you are, which we'll get into, to me saying the word like and you calling me out on it every <laughs> single day because I every time continue <laughs> to say that in my life. And I know it's all out of love because you know, you want the people around you to be better. Oh yeah. And I think that not only is a part of what is your op opportunity zone, but how do you optimize mm -hmm. yourself, but also the people around you to elevate together. And now from becoming like best friends with so many of your friends over the years, it's, it's incredible to see those who you've associated with all of your life and how I've gotten to get, to get to be so close with them. And it just speaks to who you are and your background growing up in Michigan. Um, I want to talk about that. Like you moved to California Mm -hmm. right out of college 
what inspired this move for you early on in your career, right? Like you come from a beautiful place in Michigan and you made the jump to California as did I, right? Like I, I graduated high school, moved out to Arizona. Now we've been living together in Los Angeles for three years. What inspired the move to California and yeah, like where did that drive for wanting more out of life and just the exploratory behavior come from in your life? I think I've always known, at least since college, freshman year, I always wanted to go explore and leave Michigan for at least a little bit. When did, when did that thought really hit you? Like, I know for me, it was like I had a dream of moving to Los Angeles. Like when was that for you? Sophomore year, sophomore year of college, uh, freshman year. I got 4.0 the whole year, got into honors college. And I'm like, let me just keep it going. I was doing, um, I was the president of a few clubs. I was acting in a few different shows. I did everything I possibly could. So already I'm like, I want to get after it. I want to keep going. There's so much in life that you can create and be a part of and contribute. Let me go explore. So I reached out to my cousin, David Meltzer, and he's like, you can interview for an internship. Got the, got the internship, came out to Los Angeles my junior year, and I fell in love with California and also speaking upon those people that you surround yourself around. My cousin, David Meltzer, he's a phenomenal entrepreneur, motivational speaker, human in general. He's just a, the epitome of what's an asset to the planet. And we all love Dave. <laughs> and being being in that in those rooms with Dave, being a part of those meetings that I would sit on, going to all the different business trips and experiences, I'm like, this is where I'm going to live. This is where I'm going to be. Not to say I don't love Michigan. I'm a, I'm a pure yeah. Michigan. You know I love Michigan. Pure, I'm a pure Michigan girl. All right. Yeah, we go back every summer. Oh yeah, it's in the best, winter. It's the best time. Yeah. But I think for now, it's really important for me to continue to explore and to build with what I have. And there's so much here in California and you can make that anywhere. Okay. Yeah. But I know at least from what I built for myself, this is, this is home right now. Yeah. I love it. So you moved to California. Mm-hmm. You're working for Dave Meltzer. For those that don't know Dave, if you don't, you got to know Dave, incredible entrepreneur, sports marketing. Um, when you were working for Dave, what did you learn from him? And uh, you know, I feel that a lot of, some of the thoughts even that I live by are stem from how he thinks and the content that he puts out. Like how has Dave inspired you over the years and what did you learn from working there? So I'll say four things right now. Um, from day one, he's instilled four principles in all of his team members. Gratitude, empathy, effective communication, and accountability. The fact that I can still remember those things yeah, great. <laughs> after t- almost 10 years and by the way, fingers crossed, I hope I got those right. I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, Dave, we got a fact checker. <laughs> but everyone that works at Sports One Marketing or under David Meltzer, they all know what those four principles are. And those are principles that he instilled into everyone. Now, how powerful is that to go into a workplace and to have the opportunity to experience personal development? Mm-hmm. Because your personal life and your business life are extremely coexisting. Yeah. You live in symbiosis with everything, okay? Absolutely. So from just day one of working under Dave and working with all these other beautiful young adults who are growing to the, into the same mission of, you know, how can I be an asset to others, you know, and just be an asset to this world. It's really cool. The conversations that you end up having. Couldn't agree more. Oh yeah. So I've been asked 
many times from other entrepreneurs, you know, how do you work with your partner? How has that experience been for you? And early days of media kits, you know, talking to Kieran about, Hey, let's hire Jacqueline. Let's bring her on a COO. Yes. I absolutely wanted to do that, but I was also, I don't want to say afraid, but it's just making that jump to work alongside your partner and having them be in the trenches of your business with you is not only scary, but it's something that once you do, it's, you're going to have to have some hard conversations, whether that's potentially firing them or moving positions or just growing with them or, you know, all these different things that can come about over the years of doing that. I've learned to love it. And we've done it so well, in my opinion, when we were running media kits prior to getting acquired. And I want to ask you, like, what was it like not only working with me as your partner, but working with your partner and managing that as what I like to call a boss babe and understanding <laughs> all the things you do in business. Like how was that from your perspective and how do you, um, like, yeah, what's your perspective on that for other couples out there that might be considering yeah. working with your partner as the, the woman in the relationship? Well, first of all, it has to be something that you want to do. I've always known my whole life. I've always wanted to work with my partner. I think it's really incredible and powerful when you can decide. I not only want to take this amazing relationship that we have in our personal life and bring it to business. Because if you get along really, really well and you know what assets each other have and how you can play into that, oh, it's going to be amazing. And that's what we did. But here's the thing. You have to be qualified. Yep. If you're a high-performing human, you have to both be qualified in the area of which you're going to perform. So for myself, when I was the COO of Media Kits, well, what was my prior history? I proved my, with my track record, I proved myself. And I also prove myself to Kieran, of course, because that's your best friend. That's someone that's, as he should be. Yeah, my co-founder. Should be, yeah, should we if, be? If he said, hey, I want to hire my girlfriend, you'd, you'd want like, to take a step back thing. first. It's respectable. Yeah. I would want. I would do the exact same thing. I might have even gone a little harder, even though we did go hard. <laughs> so no, I told only- Kieran, I said, hey, we're hiring her. <laughs> and he said, we're gonna, let's give this a try. And you just pass with so, fine colors, like objectively. So not only, right, think about this. We need to fill the role of the COO for media kits. What was my past track history? I was director of operations for a blockchain company. I was a third employee. Prior to that, I was working under Dan Fleischman as an executive assistant, but also as managing the campaigns, working with high level influencers and celebrities, working under Dave, selling sales, business development, right? So I have all that package put together, perfectly aligned to do this. Now I'm going to go off sidetrack a little bit and say, that's what life is about. Life is all about those moments that you experience in the present are perfectly sent to you because that's what your past actions, thoughts, and emotions have set you up for. That's what your now is representing. So back to how we actually worked together and what that was like. Yeah, what what was your biggest lesson? Incredible. Biggest lesson is just, I mean, we already had the communication down, overly effectively communicating. But I think it's being even more transparent and just understanding each other's you know, what are our roles and responsibilities and then removing the emotion because business is not emotional at all. I mean, there are, we're human, so we are emotional, but that was something that, you know, was very, very important. And when we're not in, you know, right now, right. I'm going through hurdles. I was going through hurdles, writing my book and all these different things. And to you, I was being emotional because I took off the, we're working together hat because we're not, this is my, this was my Mm -hmm. baby. This was my project. Yeah. And so I think the biggest lesson of when you work together with your partner is remember why you decided, number one, to work together in the first place. What are your your goals and objectives together within the company? 
understand that very clearly. And then just overly effectively communicate and remember to move emotion outside of it. It's going to be hard sometimes. It is hard. Yeah. yeah especially when you're when sleeping you're, when, together. Yeah, <laughs> when you're like dealing with problems in business or someone's messing up, but then it's you want to go out on a date night and just have fun but and then separating that. Hold on. Here, <laughs> no, here's the other thing that I absolutely love. We are go-getters, right? We're high-performance humans. I want to talk about business at dinner. That's, that's, I want to. No, that's, that's also that's just exciting. to interject. I, whenever someone asks me about that, I say, when working with your partner, I would rather be dealing with something in my business and having you just understand completely. And I don't even have to just talk about it and invent on it, even though that might be great. It's not even venting. Versus, it's finding the solution you know, like together. Versus, yeah. yeah, you understand it to such a high level that we can work on it yeah. rather than just, I come to you and say, Oh, I'm dealing with this and kind of like, Oh, I'll do this. And you have zero context or you're not in it. And I think that us being so in the trenches together when building media kits specifically was great for our relationship, great for our growth. And I never felt closer during Absolutely. those times. So amazing. I think it's extremely powerful when in a relationship you have the opportunity to not only build a family together, but you can build a business together because those things co-align. They, they, you know, the better you do in business, the better family, you know, the better things you're going to have in your personal life. Oh yeah. So that was amazing. I'm so grateful for it. I love that. Um, to change topics, what did you feel when I proposed to you? (laughs) I was so excited. (laughs) Okay. Butterflies. So, yeah, I, I thought you knew. I really did think you there knew. There were moments when I maybe thought. In terms of we were on a trip for context. We were in Israel. Then it I wasn't even about Greece. that. The trip but Tell thing. me from your perspective. What did the proposal, how did it go? How did you feel? And what was that moment like okay, for you? Cloud nine the whole time because we were in Europe having the best time, but extremely cloud nine when he proposed. Backstory, we went on vacation, Europe with our best friends, Lindsay and Josh. And we did a trip from uh, London for a night. We went to uh, Israel Israel, for a week. Leona and BMAX. Oh, yes, our other best friends, Leona and BMAX, of course. Uh, You know, my my co-founder of Listener FM, BMAX. Shout out BMAX. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then, which, by the way, they're coming back from Israel soon. We miss you guys. (laughs) And then we ended up going to Athens and then Santorini and Mykonos, the best trip ever, right? So before we left... I had a feeling for certain you were not going to propose. Why? Because we'd have these conversations and me as the person who's just so in love, I'm like, I can't wait till you propose. And you kept telling me, Jacqueline, it's going to happen when it happens. That was your classic yeah. response. So when we went on you, this trip. You yeah. not only wanted to be proposed to, but you're like, we're so in love. And you're like, you, you always said to me, oh, like the advice I got from older Woman Beautiful Jewish ladies. Been, they they're married. Said, they would always say what? Oh, yeah. They said, if he's not going to marry by the time you're 30, Ugh. you guys have been dating for three and a half years. You dump him. I said, I align with you. I get it. You <laughs> no, got to do what you got to do. That and of like the biggest forget people have is not. Oh, that, that one. But that, that one's better though. That one's great. <laughs> the biggest piece of advice that a lot or you know, feedback. A lot of these beautiful relationship, these ladies were telling me is I wish I got married sooner. Because it really changes things. And I will say, there's nothing that's changed about how we act towards each other now that we're engaged. But what I feel, even though I knew you were already 100% committed, is I just feel a different type of a connection with you, which is really cool. 
very yeah. special. I mean, it's the epitome of commitment and it's, it's binary. It's like, are you engaged or are you not? Are you committed or are you it's not? It's like a spiritual thing. And of too. course, it's, there's a time, lay, you know. time, time and place for it. But okay, back to the story. Okay. Engaged. Okay. I'm sure people okay. want to know if, if they don't already. Okay. Obviously, so. people might have seen the pictures on Instagram, but they want to hear it from Jacqueline's perspective. Okay. So we are now on this trip. We have now gone from London to Israel. We're last night in Israel. And we were out at a bar hanging out. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, Casey, I would love for you to propose to me soon. I just, I can't wait to be engaged with you. And you said to me, you're like, Jacqueline, you put your foot down. I, I'll give my context. That's you put your foot down. And I almost, because I was, a, I had a drink and I was like, oh my God, Casey's not going to propose. Like here's what is a, happening? Here's what happened, everyone. We're out at a bar having a great night, dinner, the whole thing. Jacqueline's all cute and said, oh, I can't wait to be proposed. When are you going to propose? And she does this a lot. And <laughs> obviously I have the ring. I'm planning on proposing on this trip, but I don't, but I'm also aware that I think she knows. So I'm in the mindset of I have to deny and just completely throw her off. Which ruined our night slightly. And, and, and make <laughs> her think it's absolutely not happening. So therefore, I was like, what do I do? I just have to deny and put her in her place. I was like, Jacqueline, <laughs> Jacqueline, I understand you want this, but you just you have to be realistic and understand that, you know, things are going to happen when they happen. So please don't bring this up again. In like a very serious yeah. tone. Oh yeah. I was like, <laughs> we could have been having fun at a bar. Like then, that would have been amazing. And then it ruined the night. Because I was okay. so it's stuck fine. of like, I need to just you made up for it. zone in. And yeah. And then you the next day it. it's fine. And everything. We move, okay. We move on. Okay. So now. And then we go to Athens. We go to Athens. Or in Sh- also, by the way, you didn't know this at the time, but my incredible mentor, one of my best friends, Aristotle Loomis. I got to give a shout out to Aristotle gifted us this incredible two night stay in Athens, which I fell in love with Athens at this beautiful hotel, King George, shout out Aristotle Loomis, love, love you brother. Aristotle. <laughs> um, you didn't know it at the time in terms of the gift that he gave us as an engagement gift, but loved Athens, fell in love with the city. Just to put this on the record, we're, we're going to go back 2025 and I'm going to run the Athens marathon. Oh yeah. So um, maybe, you know, maybe Aristotle will be there. We'll see. But continue <laughs> on with the story. Just had to put that out there. So now we're in Santorini. First day in Santorini. And Lindsay and I, best friend, we're in the pool. You and the you and Josh were oh, yeah, laying out. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm in the pool. I'm like, these dinguses, when are they going to propose? You know? And Lindsay's going around with it. She's like, oh, yeah, these dinguses, like, they need to propose soon. So she's like, well, anyway, do you want to do this photo shoot with me? Last minute, you know, if you want to join, you can join. And I'm like, Casey, let's do it. You're like, sure, like, I guess, you know, why not? Go back to the room, hardly have time to change. I'm dressing you, of course, because we're in Santorini doing a I'm, photo yeah. shoot. So I put you in all white. I'm wearing all I, white I'm myself. Kinda, I'm kind of stressing out because I know we, I'm about to propose at this photo shoot. And everyone's, like, taking their sweet time. Everyone's running late. We're, like, 15 minutes to get ready. And I'm like... Uh, no big deal. Like trying to play into it, but I'm like, oh my god! Like Jacqueline has to do her hair and do makeup. Very well executed. <laughs> it is hard to trick me when saying that I'm going to do a photo shoot because yeah. you know it's like it's hard to yeah. it's hard to trick. Everyone knows all oh, your Santorini photo shoot. Oh my god! Right, right. So anyway, now we're doing a photo shoot. Lindsay and Josh take turns with the photographer. Then we take turns, and we're going back and forth. Worked out well. Finally, it's our turn. 
And I'm like, what is the photographer like me or something? Like he's, he must think I'm a good model because now he's taking more time on me. He's prioritizing. Yeah. You. I'm like, why is he, pri I'm like, Lindsay, like I'm here to take pictures of Lindsay. He's like, no, no, no. I take pictures of you. I'm like, okay. All right. If you to say so. So finally he's like, you put, you turn around Casey, you go behind her and he's posing us the whole entire time. So I yep. think nothing of it. And I turn around and there you on your knee. I get the chills talking about this surreal moment on top of it. Beautiful, all white building, just Everything all stunning. white, literally cloud nine, clouds around us. Yep. Absolutely stunning. And it was the perfect moment. You did a phenomenal job. Thank you. And now we're here. Thank you. I love you so much. <laughs> I remember as as a man going into that photo shoot that day, I was so excited, confident, not stressed. Up until two minutes before, I started sweating like crazy. I was so nervous. I felt it. I was... <laughs> so excited and it's just one of those moments that I was so present and just ready to do it and I think as a man that's all you could ever ask for right just feeling so ready and excited for something so special um yeah and then we called all of our friends and family and your brother and had the best night and now we're engaged now we're engaged when you think about commitment we're changing the conversation commitment in a relationship commitment to a project you are, in my eyes, like the definition of someone that when they say something, you do it, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean that professionally. Literal. I mean that in the gym. I mean that with projects you work on, like your book. What does commitment mean to you in a relationship or in the context of, you know, writing a book and committing three years of your life to it? Yeah, your word is your bond. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Also, if you lie to yourself, you're going to continuously lie to yourself. And that's not going to help you or anyone. The most important thing you could possibly ever do for yourself is be truthful to yourself, which means you're going to be truthful to others. And I'm really lucky because my dad growing up, you say you're going to do something, you do it. And that's the kind of energy he yeah. shared with me, right? If I said, oh, dad, I'm going to go clean the dock, right? And I, I took, I said, I'm going to clean in 15 minutes, but it was actually 25 minutes. You come down 15 minutes, what are you doing? You said you were going to do it in 15 minutes. Your word is your bond. Yeah. Do what you say you're going to do. It's very important. It's a great life lesson. Yeah. Because the more that you can be truthful with yourself and actually execute on those actions, the more you're going to be more repetitive in it. It's so great. I mean, I don't think I've... Have you ever experienced me saying something that I say I'm going to do and I don't do it? Think about it. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. You know, maybe... Maybe. <laughs> okay. Oh God, you're thinking of something. <laughs> you know, when you're angry and you like say you're gonna do something and you just um, don't. <laughs> yeah. So that that state, of by course. the way, is not a good state to be uh, in. Of course, of course. <laughs> when you are happy and on center, yes. as I talk about in the book, yeah. that is just where all the manifesting. That's where all the good stuff that's is. That's true. Oh yeah. Um, I want to talk about your just daily habits and the way you think about health. Right. Sure. You've been primarily plant-based for many years now. You've instilled a lot of not only healthy eating habits, but just an overall health mindset more than I had prior to us dating Yeah, um, that I'm so grateful for. And I've learned so much about food through you. Where does your drive for health come from? Obviously it's easy. Like we should all be healthy, but for, for someone like you that, you know, has a book now you've interviewed nutrition experts, you're going through 
um, integrative, you are an integrative health coach and you've put so much time and effort into this course you're taking. Where do you, where does that drive come from and why is it so important to you? Well, it's been instilled in me since I was a kid, but then, uh, myself just understanding the benefits of eating for your body, eating for your mind, body, soul, it's all connected. Um, as the subtitle says, optimize your opportunity zone. Every opportunity I have with eating, I, I go for something nutrient dense. I love how you say opportunity I have with eating. Cause oh, I feel yeah. like so many people, they don't think about eating as an opportunity to do something good for your body. Yeah, sure. They're eating because they are hungry and well, they want to. Eating is also a celebratory moment, right? Like celebrating with friends, a birthday. So in those moments, you're actually giving yourself nourishment in that way. So sure, maybe that slice of cake is actually nourishment for your soul because every year on your birthday, you have a slice of cake, Yeah, right? That's like a very obvious one. Or maybe it's once a year you see your grandma and you make an apple pie together and that's something very nourishing for the soul. But in my everyday life, how I nourish myself is choosing something that is nutrient dense because again, when I have the opportunity to do anything, I go for the highest of the high. Because mm-hmm. that's how I, I'm a high performer. Yeah. Right. And I, that's just all of my actions are going to be that way. Absolutely. How I dress, talk, eat, sit, internalize thoughts with myself, my actions. I'm like, I'm like checking my posture. Now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All of that's connected. And so, you know, a fun little thing I like to share, too, is you, you've been in my ho- bevy's house many times. And as a kid, she would always she was an intensive care nurse. She's also ex- mom. my mom. Also extremely healthy. I grew up in a really healthy household. We didn't have any, um, we didn't have any. And this is like the root of it. Yeah. The way you grew up from where your dad didn't eat carbs and you're, I know you're about to go there. Yeah. It's incredible. But continue. Yeah. You've got to experience it. Yeah. Any family dinners we have, is there any just random potatoes or pasta or just sugary things? No. We're, you know, my dad's making smoked chicken, salmon, lots of vegetables, yep. Bev, my mom, same exact thing. And that's the environment I grew up in. And side note too, when you grow up in a household where you're not taught those things, it's, yes, you can break out of that cycle. Um, but it's the same way of saying, oh, it's in the family that we have this, you know, disease. Oh, it's in the family that I have OCD. Well, actually, no, those are, that's because that's how you've been programmed. And it's, you, you can, you can get out of that. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I, I'm very lucky that I had a foundation that just allowed me to skyrocket. That's what it was. So growing up, my mom, she would, when she'd read articles or on the computer or in the magazine about health, when we were little kids, just learning how to read, she actually would cut out these articles and she put them on the pantry. So anytime we went to go reach for a snack in the pantry, which there weren't too many because we never really had bagged things. We had whole things like vegetables, hummus. My favorite snack after school was hummus and tabbouleh with matzah. That was my favorite thing. Healthy. Yeah. And what's our favorite thing here? We, we love our tabbouleh and hummus. That. Yes, it is. <laughs> Still have it my after school snack. Yes. So it's, uh, it stemmed from that. Um, and I, I just think that you, you feel what you put in, you know, imagine yourself as a supercar. What do you put in a supercar? Premium fuel. Okay. Well, you're a supercar, so wow. better give yourself some premium fuel. Some athletic, you want to operate like a supercar, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. In this book, Happiness Habitat, which I love the name, um, <laughs> 
you talk about, yes, nutrition and eating well, and the subtitle, Optimize Your Opportunity Zone, you've talked about it a little so far, but what is an opportunity zone? I actually, not much to say in this for the podcast, I love how you said, like, when I, whenever I have the opportunity to eat, um, kind of gets me thinking of, like, everything you do in your life is an opportunity to be great, mm-hmm. and I know you live by that. What is an opportunity zone? How do you define it, I should say? Yeah. And why did you name the book Happiness Habitat? Optimize your opportunity zone. Sure. Well, I'll start with happiness habitat. Um, you know, if you think of, all right, what is happiness? To me, it's being grateful in the present moment. Everyone has their own definition of what that is. And then you have habitat. That's your environment, your sur- surrounding. And the way I look at happiness habitat is happiness is both, can be optimized both from inside and out, right? Because you're going to be encountered with things externally and also internally. So it's important that now we get into the subtitle, Optimize Your Opportunity Zone. Now the book breaks down in each chapter, each each area of your life inside and out that you can actually raise the bar. Practical tools that you can literally do to raise the bar, to optimize each area of your life. So your opportunity zone is both the zones that you experience internally and externally, but also just your opportunities in life. Because when you are happy, I believe, as I mentioned before, all these obstacles become illusions. You're in your flow state, which is an extremely powerful state. You know, when a golfer hits that hole in one, they're in flow state, right? Shout out to the golfers hitting holes in one. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's any, yeah, any athlete sure. that's making the dunks, whatever it is, they are in flow. Okay. They're on center or happiness. You don't need to be manic to be called happy. You could be, totally. I'm happy right now, you know? Yeah. Like, You're happy right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm always happy. There's moments though. What? Because <laughs> I'm human. For sure. And before I go on to the next topic I want to cover, so your opportunity zone, how do you define an opportunity zone and like, yeah. what does that mean to you? Yeah, the opportunity zones. They're, they're every, how I just mentioned, you know, I, I go for, like when I have a food, it's my opportunity to have a nutrient-dense food, right? So, Having the knowledge first and then be able to act upon that knowledge in different areas of your life, so different zones. So how do you optimize those opportunities in each of those zones, in every area, internal, external, on the court, off the court, in business, yeah. in communication? It's a, it's a powerful thing. Love you know, we, my thing is you have one life, okay? Most of us can speak one language. A lot of us do. So become an expert, just being a human because there's, it's life is both long and short. And so enjoy it and maximize it. It's too beautiful. There's too many beautiful things to experience. (laughs) And if you don't know how beautiful it is, go outside and just sit in nature and look around, allow your mind to just start thinking of things. Give it the time to actually experience the beauty of what this world is. Totally. I want to ask is you're someone that has such a positive view in the world and in a world where, you know, it's, you can look at the glass half full, half empty. I think everyone can learn something from you and especially people that are dealing with a lot, right? Like we live in a world where people are going through a lot. The Mm -hmm. economy's in a weird spot. People are losing their jobs. People lose family members often. And just, there's a lot of negativity out there that sometimes you just, can't control and it just hits you right Mm -hmm. and yes you've we've all dealt with some type of negativity in our life and i mean firsthand knowing you you know i've seen you 
through hardships and you, yes, remain in this happy state, but you embrace yeah. your emotions. Oh, yeah. How do you not only recommend, but what do you say to someone that's going through something in such a unhappy state of mind they're you know they they want to be happy they know it's important but they just can't find a way to be happy and mm -hmm. they're constantly in this state of negativity from their surrounding surroundings or the people in their life where does someone start because you're someone that encompasses happiness since the moment i've met you but you've also dealt with a lot so how do you recommend and i guess i know you go in depth in this book yeah but where does it start where does happiness begin with you and for you so what you just said was that someone has already seen their engine light and the engine lights on, which means that their body, their mind, their soul, it's telling them, Hey, work on this. Bodies are, we're extremely, humans are really, really powerful where think about the same way of driving a car, driving a car, it's perfectly fine. And then you see that little engine light. Now when you're driving a car, you don't ignore the engine light. You go get the engine fixed. You go figure it out. Same, but sometimes as humans, we know the engine light goes on and we don't do anything. Why do we Why do we treat the car better than we do ourselves? So in the moments when we actually understand, hey, my engine light's on. Can you give me an example of that? Yeah, um, I'll give you an example of a past relationship that I experienced. I let a person become, and I talk about this in the book, become extremely close to me where my happiness habitat environment that I so strongly built for myself and this was before I even uh, kind of created the happiness habitat method. So this is like five, six, or seven years back. Um, I was only spoken to negatively. I was verbally abused and emotionally abused to the point where I didn't even recognize who I was. I didn't know what to do that was right or wrong. And so I had to figure out how I could bring myself out of that. And it literally took flying across the country to... to Go back to where I knew I was, where I, I started, where I could rebuild that foundation. It was the totally. self-talk. You're 40, oh, you have about 40,000 thoughts a day. A lot of those are negative. But you can program yourself to actually, instead of just be in those thoughts, you can observe those thoughts. And by the way, that's a really good way to operate too. If you find yourself and you're not on center, right? Like if you know right now, I am not on center. There's a couple tools and tricks that you can do for yourself, such as one, smiling. When you smile, you're actually telling <laughs> your brain to release endorphins, right? That's that's for easy. Sure. But if you're upset and you're like, F this, like I, I don't want to do that. That's stupid, okay? Simply get back to the roots. Get back to mother nature. Get back to foundation. Do something that you enjoy doing. As hard as it may be, if you have the will, you will find a way, mm -hmm. right? It's like... A good line. Absolutely. If there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. If you know you want to be happy and you want to get out of this depression, you want to get out of this sadness, if there's a will, there's a way. Also really good to know, I was just watching a lecture last night, Dr. Amen, he's a brain, a uh, an incredible, uh, he, he studies the brain. And he looks at brain scans all the time. He's looked at over 20,000 brain scans. And a lot of these people, when they go in and they say, oh, I have depression, I have OCD, schizophrenia, a lot of these, you know, big labels. Well, a lot of the times people treat other humans as a culmination of those labels, uh, of those symptoms, I should mm -hmm. say. When in fact, keyword, those are symptoms. There is a solution. Get, get your nutrients, get them 
back to where they should be. Yeah. Feed yourself correctly. Lack. Hydrate. Your brain, 80% water. Hydrate. Yeah. I think it's like 70% of America is dehydrated. Oh, yeah. Like around the clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of things you can do to actually uh, fuel your mind because your mind is also where it's going to fuel everything else. If you're not feeling good, you're not going to, you know, the, there was a brain scan that he showed where there was a kid um, like seven years old. These parents were so committed. He needs to be on ADD medication. That's what all the therapists are saying. He needs mm -hmm. it. And he said, they don't need that. He, he, your, your son does not need this. What, what's going on at home? Okay, well, there's arguing. Mm. What's going on at home? Well, you know, he's eating pasta every night. Okay, well, let's put some greens in his body. Let's hydrate him. All these things. He gave him a plan to do. The kids stick to the plan. And he came back a year later, and the brain scan came back completely normal. Wow. You know, your brain, it's supposed to kind of be, I think I told you last night, like soft butter. That's the consistency. So if you can imagine almost like a cloud shape. Um, when that is in its nice little round shape, that's a great brain scan, uh, versus having deviates or something in the frontal cortex or wherever it needs to be. Um, that's sometimes where there can be issues. So it's really important that if you are not feeling your best and you have the will to get better, hydrate, yeah. get, smile, get to the roots of, get to the roots. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's don't, awesome. don't cover it up with antidepressants or other things that are well, just going to cover those I symptoms. I think, um, cause you were, you took ADD medication. Right? I took ADD medication ADD. for almost 15 years. Yeah. And by the way, that's because my mom, you know, yeah, parents, why, why, how do you think that affected you? And how did you get off of it? I never took yeah. it. So I don't have the I, experience to speak on it, yeah. but I know you've, this has been a very important topic for you Absolutely. and you've grown from that. And I think a lot of people are still out dependent on these I, not only not only because they are dependent but they've grown to believe that they are dependent when in actuality because not. they think they are their symptoms yeah so i was prescribed to add medication when i was in fourth grade prior to me getting prescribed my parents did everything they thought they could such as i tests all the i was doing testing forever this was in third grade i remember this very clearly i'm always tracing images i'm always doing different things on this computer and some some office and then finally, they're like, let's put this hyperactive child who talks a lot, who's really creative and likes to color out of the lines. Let's put her on ADD medication. I fought it for the longest time. I mm -hmm. couldn't, I pretend like I know how to swallow pills, all these things. Okay, finally, you're fourth grade. It's your parents. You're going to do what they say. I take ADD medication. And of course, you know, I start calling inside the lines. I start, <laughs> you know, not talking as much. And I'm sitting in my chair very quietly. And... That's all you know, right? I was a kid. That's all I knew. And my parents, they, they did what they thought was best. My mom, again, she's an intensive care nurse, comes from the medical background. Um, you know, my the, the course that I took in a, to become an integrative nutrition, nutrition health coach, I did a lot of these group focus, uh, focus groups yep. with a lot of these other uh, students who are becoming a coach as well. And a lot of them are doctors. And they even spoke about how when they were in school, they were never supposed to look at, they never were taught to look at the holistic side. Mm -hmm. Right. And so my mom was never taught to look at the holistic side. So now let's progress into high school. Well, I found myself instead of socializing at lunch, guess what I did? I would go to the library to do homework. I went to hang out with the teacher to learn or catch up on a, yeah. a problem. And you're saying it's because of you're on. I was yeah. One year. Oh yeah. I went from um, it was Concerta, then Concerta and Adderall, then Vivance and Ritalin together, then just Vivance. I 
I was yeah. on everything. And at one point I was on the highest milligram of Vyvanse, 70 milligrams. Wow. I weighed 90, I think 95 pounds at the time. And I would put quarters in my pockets when I would go in because I'd get weighed. I think it was every six months or something. Get stacks of quarters. Yeah, I would. Yeah, because I had to use that for the laundry <laughs> yeah. in college. So I would come home and drive home and I absolutely wanted this ADE medication. I was in honors college. Yeah, I was taking advanced courses and, you know, I'd have all these quarters and wear so sweatpants. So you don't seem yeah, like you're so Yeah, so show, I weighed like 98 instead of 95 <laughs> or whatever it was. Um, anyway, three pounds of quarters. I started to study health. Yeah. In college. Yes, I was very aware of it growing up. I knew to eat healthy. I mean, in college, I was I was eating salads for breakfast still as a college kid, right? Like nutrient dense as well back then. But I then realized this is not the only way. And I do not want to be on this anymore. I don't. It was it was like a moment where I'm like, there's in what world yeah. do I see myself ever taking this medication ever again? Never. So I created a plan for myself. Slowly, I'm going to start getting off of it. My parents totally supported that. When I'm 18 by, or I'm, yeah. I'm 17 or 18 by then. And then what I was the most nervous for was ADD medication. First of all, it's a stimulant, right? It makes you go to the bathroom. Also, um, it suppresses your appetite. So I was yeah. curious, you know, I don't think I'm going to be addicted in the brain from this, but maybe I'm addicted um, from how I actually eat. Like that was a, a, a an actual question of mine. And so sure enough, I got off of the ADD medication after, you know, during my senior year of college, I think it was last semester and, you know, I couldn't go to the bathroom, right? Yep. Try drinking coffees, all these wow. things. I went to the doctor. They put me on Miralax for six months. <laughs> the drug messed me up. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So I'm learning all about health, all these different things. And I was always vegetable heavy anyway and fish heavy. Yeah. Um, but I watched a documentary. I forgot what it was called, but it taught me all about, you know, just understanding food, how it works in your body. And I said, I'm going to try going plant-based. Went plant-based. Two days later, back to regular. <laughs> two days. Two days later. Wow. I don't know, coincidence or not, but. Yeah. No, um, I, I think to just to summarize that too as well, like you experienced that and now have learned how to live without it. Right. And it speaks to the I don't think I ever needed it. Growth. Let me just yeah. say that. I don't think I ever needed it. I think that everyone, it's the VAK model, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. Um, everyone has a different input and output, how they prefer to learn and communicate. Yep. So I went to a, a great public school, but they didn't focus on, oh, Jacqueline Burnett, she's she's school. more kinesthetic auditory or kinesthetic visual, right? It was all auditory, yeah. all lectures. That's all it was. When what I really needed was hands-on visual. That's mm -hmm. how I, and that's how I still learn. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to. So it's important. It's important sure. to understand how you learn. Absolutely. couple more questions for you. Wrap up here, sweetheart. Um, <laughs> what would, what would you say to the young seven, eight, nine-year-old Jacqueline Burnett? What would the little Jacqueline think about herself today? And what advice do you have for her from a nutrition perspective, from a business perspective, from a relationship perspective? What would the young Jacqueline think about her life today? If I, if I, if my younger self met my current self, I would be so wowed. <laughs> oh my God. No, look at this. I'm serious. You're as beautiful, a little girl, you're smart. as a little girl, you know, my dad and mom, they'd always put me in cute fashion and, and my mom was always teaching me to sit up straight, all of these things. I'd be like, wow, this is so cool seen someone who I've been taught, you know, or I've learned 
to become like I there's still that kid in me yeah. and you know that I dance every day you're a little girl I am heart. a little girl at heart of <laughs> course and as we we all should be kids at heart yeah, you know for sure it's our it's our inner child and so if I were to meet that Jacqueline and say hey I have advice for you I would say keep doing what you love and don't give up on it I love it's that. really important and what my dad and I want to mention this my dad ever since I can remember has told me you're an asset to the planet every single day almost he's always yeah. told me you're an asset to this planet it's a beautiful well, saying think about how powerful those words are and what what is that even when you hear those words that's powerful you're saying you your time here on earth you are you are contributing you are you're, someone yeah, to aspire valuable. to be so speaking to a little kid just like that that's going to make them feel that way and want to operate in such a way where they are an asset to the planet. Yeah. That has been my whole mission in life. I love that. To be an asset to the planet. Uh, and I, I hope for people that read this book, yeah. they know they already are. No, I, I feel this book is a true, just, it's such a part of you in terms of how you think and how you live that I'm not only so excited for people watching or listening to read it, but just, I know how impactful it's going to be on lives. And I want to do a, a speed round here of questions before we <laughs> wrap it up. Number one, this might be five questions. It might be more. It might be less. <laughs> what do you love most about me? Ooh, your heart. Easy. Why? Yeah, why? You are the most kind, loving soul I actually know. I'm being serious. And I know you always <laughs> say you get to know it. And I say, I love your kindness. <laughs> but I do. Yeah. Th you are you are an asset to the planet. Your soul and your heart is just, you want the best for everyone that surrounds you and people that you don't even know. It's very obvious. And I'm very, very lucky to be in the presence of that and get, get to experience it every single day. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Um, two, what, without putting too much thought into it, what is one of your favorite memories we've experienced together the past three years? Proposal. Okay. <laughs> Outside of proposal, because obviously that's like the epitome okay. of a moment. There's so many fun moments, but I really love one when that we, impacted you. That speaks to our relationship and your perspective. Oh, uh, well, there's been a lot, but I will say one that just immediately came to mind is when we celebrated our second anniversary and we went to Monarch Beach Resort. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> now, listen to this. Yeah, why is this? We turned into just like kids together, just like. Having the best, we put on robes. We went on the golf cart down to the beach. Yeah. We were really having dancing the best the time. Whole time. We were dancing the whole time everywhere we went. I'm sure people are looking at us being like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, that's pretty cool. That's yeah, a fun yeah. thing. And I, I we have love, so much fun together. Yeah. That, that's, you're my best friend. Yeah. Like, I think that's, that's so the, cool. That's the, like, the foundation of our friend, of our relationship is built on being best friends. And oh, I could yeah. not be more grateful for that. Um, it's important to have fun with your partner. This is a That's speed, the most this important is a, this thing. This is a speed round, guys. Uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> number three, what do you love most about your mom, your dad, and your brother, Alex Burnett, Mark Burnett, Beverly Burnett? They're phenomenal family members. They are not only my my dad's my mentor. He was a very successful successful businessman my whole life. Still to this day. I go to him for advice, business advice. Every day. Life call, advice. You love him? No, literally every <laughs> single day. I give him a call every day. Um, my mom, 
epitome of like a happy soul and somebody that really wants the best for whoever is around her. You walk into her presence, she is, and you know this too, she's she's always excited to see you. Very. She always has. Give her a call. She, she's so happy. Hello. Yeah, she is. She's, she's She is always ready and she's always down too, which is so fun. You want to go do something? She's excited about it. My brother, he's also my best friend. And he has been my biggest supporter in rock for almost 30 years now. You turned 30 in two months. Yep. 60 days from about 60 days from recording this podcast. Yes. I'm excited. How does that make you feel? I'm so excited. I'm so ready. I know you're excited. I'm so excited. No, no, this is why. And this is, I got to tell you, my 20s, oh man, incredible decade. I'm serious. I did, I, 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 I lived so many different kinds of lives and I experienced so many different things. And they really talk about how, you know, your 20s are the time when you you really figure out who you are. And I think that's so true. Being that I'm now 29 and 10 months, you know, I feel that. Mm-hmm. And coming into my 30s, it's just, it feels great. I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm, re- I'm ready for every decade, <laughs> every day. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we wrap up, this has been such an incredible, fun conversation, this is fun. a unique conversation. <laughs> I love it. We'll definitely have to do a, a follow up. We might even start a podcast together. Who knows? That could be fun. But I would like that. Your book, Happiness Habitat. Not only, not only yeah. am I not only am I excited about it, but it comes out October 9th. 9th. What do you look forward to the most, and what should people expect when they order this book? They get it, and like, how do you want people to feel when reading your book? Happy. Okay. <laughs> But not happy where you're you're a manic happy. I want you to feel on center, powerful, as you are. Everyone's powerful already. Yeah. It's that sometimes they need to flip through a couple pages to figure out, ah, oh, if I just tune this area and mm-hmm. I just tune this area, I can optimize. I can be my better, best self without even having to try. Yeah. And that's what this book, I want you to feel. I want you to hold this book and know that this is a powerful opportunity for you to unlock many different facets of yourself. You might explore new things about yourself you don't even realize. You might learn new tools that you might have been like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. if I do this to my life or now that I've done this, everything seems so much more easy and accessible. And that is the power of happiness. I love that. Last thing is, where's the best place for people to buy your book, to order your book, and to stay in touch with everything you have going on in the Happiness Habitat environment and your personal socials, what's the best place? We go to JacquelineBurnett.com, HappinessHabitat.com, or oh, my, yeah. my Instagram at Jacqueline Burnett, where you can just find all the good things about creating your own happiness habitat. I love that. Well, <laughs> to end on a high note, I just want to say I absolutely love you more than you ever will imagine. Uh-huh. I am so proud of you for the years put into this book. And I'm just excited for the world to experience just a sliver of your soul. And I am so grateful to be able to experience that every day. And I love you so much. I love you so much. (laughs) Thank you for having me on the show. Of course. And for everyone watching or listening, I will make sure to link everything down below. Make sure you go buy and order Happiness Habitat out now or out soon, October 9th, whenever you're listening. And I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much.